What is the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie Flores and Devin Ugland here with you for episode number 98. We took a little bit of time off and soon you'll know why. Another little project we've been working on. So we kind of, and, and, and we returned to covering, you know, high school basketball pretty much, you know, at, at a, you know, tri-weekly basis. So we've been out and about watching games, uh, checking into the Southern California high school basketball scene as we get back into the swing of things here in California. But Ryan, let's start with a sports overview, kind of compared to a year ago on this very day. Um, high school sports are back with fans, professional sports back with fans. The New York Knicks are in the playoffs and they're relevant again. Um, and the NBA playoffs are in full swing. Let's start with the playing games. Did you did you like those playing games? Yeah, I, I overall, I mean, just a highlight. I did like the playoff games, Devin. Glad we're back on in the paint, talking a little bit about it. I just like the intensity of the games. Again, people are going to say, well, uh, you know, you knocked out the a player in a team that everybody wants to see in the, in the Golden State Warriors. Well, I mean, then how are they going to win the first round game, the first round anyway? I mean, they're going to be knocked out anyway. So, you know, are they going to make a miraculous run from the eighth seed? I, I don't I don't think so. So, you know, it, it kind of like makes it a little more competitive, makes it a little more interesting. Um, I think, you know, some there's some coaches and some um, teams that seem to just play hard every every night out. And we got a couple seasons or I would say recently where it's kind of like, you know, the load management thing and, and, and players uh, during the season, as the season goes, maybe like they're coasting a little bit and then they're going to turn on the playoffs. I think we're trying to get back to the point where teams are really competitive every night. And I think this is a good step in the first, you know, step in the right direction for that. Yeah, I hear you. And I think it's a good concept. I think things could be cleaned up maybe instead yeah. of, you know, a, uh, a seven through 10 play in game seating wise to just like eight and nine, one game and you're in because the seven seed, I believe, you know, you kind of earn that spot throughout the year with your record. The eight seed usually comes to a point where it's kind of, you know, up in the air and maybe, maybe they take into account um, record, right? Say the eight seed is, I don't know, let's just throw a number out there, 40 and 42. And, that's 82 games. And the um, the nine seed is like way below 500, right? Like 10 games out or five games out. Do you play that game? Do you give them a chance? Or do you just kind of let the team who earned that spot keep that spot? I think yeah. record plays a big role in that. And if there's like a one game difference from the eight and nine spot, that makes sense to do a playing game. But if there's a multiple game difference, what's one game going to do? I mean, play, at yeah. least play series at least play a five game series that's kind of where i'm at with that um let's move to football real quick ronnie aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl does not want to return to the green bay packers what the heck is going on there yeah i i mean aaron Rodgers had a great run i i I don't know like maybe feels i think when you look at like other sports it's like hey i have a window to win maybe feels are not going to win I just think also Tom Brady's just put so much pressure on every other quarterback. Like, Hey guys, I have all of you. I have six more rings than you at least like, what are you going to do? You know, I think that's uh, a fact 
Baker, like it's just worked out for him so well, as we know, just wherever he's gone. I mean, going to Tampa Bay and winning that Super Bowl, I guess because of the pandemic and, and everything that happened all this year, just so much involved in sports away from the court. We kind of forget that Super Bowl a little bit because it's Tampa Bay and it like how many how many people in the greater greater community care about the Tampa Bay Bucks? Not I would say not that many. Not anybody I run across on a daily basis. They care yeah. about Tom Brady, you know. So I think the Packers are a team that people care about, that they're well-known. Uh, they have a huge fan base all over the country. So that's big news. You know, where do they go from here? I mean, you know, where, and where does he go from here? And they, said, they said they're not going to trade him. That's what they said. Yeah. But yeah. that's very interesting. Just very interesting how he transitioned from Brett Favre and, like, how the transition is going from him. I remember some people were very upset about Brett Favre not starting, you know, or like them moving on from Brett Favre. Everybody had a, like an emotional connection to him there in Green Bay. And it worked out for the good. I mean, it was time to move on. It's kind of like Joe Montana and Steve Young too. Montana had his uh, faction of fans that didn't want him to not start no matter how, you know, how much he was aging or how good Steve Young was. Yeah. Uh, and you think, you know, this all stems back to the – what was it, the 220 draft when they took Jordan Love in the first round? Yeah. Quarterback, and the, it kind of was like shades of Aaron Rodgers being selected to replace Brett Favre. And yeah. I think that obviously probably rubbed Rodgers the wrong way. But like you said, with Tom Brady, him going to Tampa Bay and winning a Super Bowl in his first year there, that, that's got to that's gotta like dig into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and other quarterbacks that have been busting their butt to try to get to that level. Matthew Stafford, all these guys, and Stafford forced a trade um, this season as well. So, yeah, I mean, you just look at what Tom Brady's doing, and it, is he even at this point? Is he even reachable from you know any any standpoint of greatness of the quarterback position? I mean, I, yeah. I don't think so. Well, it's similar to what we said. I think we might have said it before. I, I think a couple. Uh, well-known and an, uh, analyst and announcer said it on there. Like, if you just split his career, he's still better than like most Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Right. Time, like, two, if you split his career in half, he's still better than almost every other quarterback. Right. If if it's like if, yeah. if you take his career split in half, you name one Tom Brady and yeah. then one Ron Brady. Ron yeah. Brady's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and still better than most Hall of Famers. Right. Like more Super Bowls and and more accolades. It's like. Just nuts, you know. Like, what, what year? What year do you think Ron Brady would have played in uh, the NFL in the sixties? Ron Brady. Brady, yeah, that's a funny name. <laughs> so, like you said, from two thousand one to two thousand ten, Tom Brady's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and from two thousand ten to two thousand twenty, he's another Hall of Famer. Like, I think you know, Ricky Henderson might be a little bit like that. Barry Bonds, not not too many guys though. Not yeah. too many guys in any sport. Um, maybe Kobe Bryant a little bit with the eight and the twenty four. You know, that, that's about it. But Kobe's nowhere near Tom Brady when you split him up. Very interesting. And so, yeah, very interesting scenario. The fans are coming back. Obviously, uh, the Raiders are going to have a full allotment of fans in their new stadium for the first time. Uh, what do you think about bat going back to the NBA, like the home court advantage of like uh, a full slate of fans or almost a full slate of fans? How did that play into the records this year, and how do you see that affecting the playoffs? Well, so it's been recently that they've allowed a decent amount of fans in, in the stadiums or gyms or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was watching the Lakers' Suns' first, uh, first game in the first round. Sure. The other day. 
believe that was Sunday. Yeah. Um, and I was texting my brother. I'm like, it, it really seems like there's a full capacity crowd in there. Wow. And these guys aren't, you know, used to having that amount of fans in the gym lately, especially in a high pressure playoff situation. So that's added pressure on top of uh, not, you know, the Lakers being the seven seed, you know, and, and having to to go to Phoenix and play that first round game. It's added pressure of having fans in the gym for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. And that level of fan or that level of, of noise. Um, so I think that does add pressure, Ronnie. I think it does add a little bit different, a different vibe to the game. A little yeah. Bit more, yeah. A little different feel, a little, I don't know, I guess a little bit more, um, uh, a little more sense of urgency on both sides. And, you know, the home team is always going to benefit from their home fans. Uh, sure. but yeah. I think, I think it's good that, you know, we're getting back in, in the gym. I've been going to games uh, lately been, you know, at Fullerton Junior College practice. We've got a couple of decent guys. Uh, but let's move into the California Southern Section playoffs, which will get started uh, this week. And the Open Division will begin Friday. I believe it's the 28th. 28th, yeah. Friday the 28th. Um, Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> starting the playoffs. How crazy is that? Wild stuff. There's, there's Memorial Day uh, club events going on. So we're going to see a lot of double-dipping uh, with Southern California players uh, across various divisions in playing with their club teams and playing with their high school teams this weekend. <laughs> one, one, one in the playoffs, one in just a, a Memorial Day event. So let's start with the open division, Ronnie, the most important division here. Um, Sierra Canyon, the one seed. And I've seen every open division team, whether it's live or in person. And I don't think there's anyone in the same stratosphere this season as Sierra Canyon. Interesting. Uh, just because, I mean, depth, uh, well-rounded roster, size, physicality, athleticism, uh, the ability to speed up the game and play, you know, well sped up. It, it's just going to be really tough for any other team to beat these guys. Um, they open with St. John Bosco, who's the eight seed. And Matt Dunn is not happy about his seeding at the sure. Well, uh, let's look at it this way. He just beat the team that would have been the number two seed if they would have won that game, meaning his his arch rival in the Trinity League modern day. They were the number two team in the Southern section for a long time. But don't don't you have to take into account that they're missing three starters and a key reserve? Sure, but I'm saying if modern day would have won that game they'd be the number two seed. Yeah, but right. they would have beat a full-strength Bosco team rather than Bosco beating an undermanned modern-day team. Correct. So, I mean, in, so my, in my book, I knew modern-day would still be um, seated higher than Bosco. That makes sense. They won the training league title. They split games. But going forward, yeah, you're judging modern-day now not on what they did in the regular season. Like you said, what they did with what they have now, which is not having Wilhelm Breedenbach, Nebraska-bound forward for the playoffs. So yeah. just based on that, it's like, uh, their whole split this season, obviously they didn't win the training league title because they lost to Santa Margarita in the game. You saw Devin. Um, but their reward is to get the eight seed and play the number one seed <laughs> for winning that game. So it's like, well, you know, that's so Bosco obviously was the eight seed and they were the, 
closest one to being, you know, first one out like they do in the NCAA tournament. If they would have lost that game to, to modern day, they probably would have been out. Um, if they would have beat Santa Margarita, they lost to them overtime at Santa Margarita, 61-58. I was at that game. What They'd probably maybe be a seven seed or, or a yeah. six if they had won that game. Well, yeah, they'd be the Trinity League co-champs. Co-champs of the Trinity League, so it's got to be uh, obviously a higher seed than the eight. So I, I guess that Santa Margarita loss, a five and five Santa Margarita team is kind of self-inflicted. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, let's, let's run down the seeds real quick, Ronnie. Pool A, Sierra Canyon, Etiwanda, Rebe Academy, St. John Bosco. Pool B, Corona Centennial, Modern Day, Damien, and Harvard-Westlake. And seeding goes one, Sierra Canyon, two, Corona Centennial, three, Modern Day, four, Etiwanda, five, Rebe Academy, six, Damien, uh, seven, Harvard-Westlake, and eight, St. John Bosco. Ronnie, which of those teams do you think has the best chance to beat Sierra Canyon? Uh, it would probably be, honestly, a team on their side. Not a team. I don't think it would be a team on, on, on the other side. So it would probably be Rebay Academy, or I think St. John Bosco could give them a lot, a lot of trouble. If you know they're a pretty good team for an eight seed, it'd probably be Rebay Academy. I think they're the dangerous team. I think Rebay Etiwanda is a great four or five. Um, Got to remember Etiwanda. Uh, Rebay Academy makes a free throw; they're the number two seed. They make a free throw against Centennial; they're the number two seed. You know, they missed that free throw. They did. Uh, Kylan Boswell tied that game on the three pointer and they won in overtime. So it's very close. Like you said, the teams are very close. Um, very interesting. I remember you, you, you talked about the Bosco game last year against Sierra Canyon. And I just think the gap between the two teams are very smaller. Like all the gaps between the teams are very smaller. I know you say Sierra Canyon is a pretty prohibitive favorite. When I watched this Heritage Christian game, I got the feeling that as long as Amari Bailey's healthy and on the floor and they have like their, you know, Grandes just, you know, hitting a couple timely shots, they don't have to play terrific. They're always going to be in the game against yeah. this field of teams. They're, as long as Amari Bailey's playing, they have a chance. For like sure. they're not, even if they're playing bad, they're not hitting their greatest. Like he'll just create plays, make things happen. Um, very interesting. If, if Heritage Christian wins that game, Devin, obviously they're the number one seed in D one. Do they get in, and then who's out? You know, yeah. so if they beat Sierra Canyon, they would be in, and, and I think Bosco would have been out in the, the number one seed in D one. Honestly, interesting. Well, the way I also look at it, it's another game me and you saw, or I think I was there. You might have been coming back up from San Diego. Is uh, Harvard Westlake beat Etiwanda decisively? Yeah, and both Etiwanda and Damian who is in the same league and they beat them twice, meaning at a Wanda they're, they're seated, seated higher. So very interesting set of uh, results because Damien had lost. I'm sorry, because uh, Harvard Westlake had lost some games earlier. That was taken into account. I just think Harvard Westlake's pretty, playing pretty good right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won that pool. Yeah. It wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, Corona Centennial is obviously the number two seed. They're deserving. They've only lost. So San Diego, number one, Torrey Pines. I think it was 63-60, or it was a close game, three or four-point game. I think you're right. Yeah, 63-60 early in the season. Uh, Torrey Pines is a very good team. Uh, the thing is, Corona Centennial, lately in the pool play, 
they've been kind of living and dying by the three-pointer. That's what they do. They play a fast-paced game. Really, Devin, they haven't played their best games in the previous Southern Section pool play games. Now, so that's something that we're going to have to watch. Like, are they going to play three consecutive really good games and win the pool and face perhaps Sierra Canyon? What's your opinion there with Harvard Westlake and, and, and Centennial having a, I guess, I guess peak at the right time is the right word. I don't know what, what word I'm looking for, but they haven't really played their best so far in the pool play. Yeah. So I'm trying to think back, Ryan, the last couple of years on the open yeah. division. And I believe yeah. Harvard Westlake went to Corona Centennial on the road and, and beat, them. beat them. Yeah, I believe so. Otter Day also beat them on the road in that same playoff pool game. in that same pool. Right. Yeah, we I was we were at that that Mother Day Centennial game. I remember that for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty positive Harvard Westlake went on the road and beat Corona Centennial. So Corona Centennial hasn't had much luck in this pool play aspect of the yeah. uh I don't know if it's a thing where it's like, yeah, these pool play games don't matter. You know, it's hard to get up for games like that. Um yeah. it's not a bracket. Yeah. It's not a bracket, it's not one and done. Uh, yeah. you know, and I think I think this year it's a little different because there's not going to be any state playoffs. So this is it. The The open division doesn't get automatic qualifiers for state bracket because of uh, the pandemic. And obviously we're not, you know, CIF and us are not hosting state championships. It's going to be SoCal regionals, right? Um, right. So maybe a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Um, back to the Sierra Canyon point. Um, I think you're right with Rebay Academy being the one team that has a chance to to beat them. I think they match up well size wise. Uh, yeah, scoring wise, good offensive team. Uh, yeah. I wanted to say Etiwanda for so for for so many different reasons, all on the defensive side of the ball. But man, they just struggle to score. Correct. They really, they really do just go through spurts where uh, you know minutes long. Uh, half a quarter where they're just like really struggling to put the ball in the basket. And you can't do that against Sierra Canyon because they just play so fast. They take advantage of your mistakes in half a second. Amari Bailey, yeah. he's down the court for a dunk and in, in the blink of an eye. So, yeah, I don't think, I mean, you know, Edwanda is always going to be in a game because of the way they defend and the way they execute sure. and the way that they're, you know, they game plan and they're able to stop players. But when it comes down to it against Sierra Canyon, you have to be able to score. And I think yeah. Bay Academy is probably the, the one team, um, in their pool, who can who can beat them? And then if Corona Centennial makes the final and gets out of their pool and plays Sierra Canyon in the final, if they have a great, amazing shooting game and they're hitting threes, you know, Jared McCain's hitting threes everywhere and kind yeah, of kind of Boswell, and they're they're forcing uh, Sierra Canyon to taking bad shots. If everything goes right, I, I think Corona Centennial probably has the best chance to beat. Sierra Canyon in an open final game from the other from the other pool from the other pool in the in the championship game I think out yeah. of out of those four schools Corona Centennial modern day Damien Harvard Westlake I think Corona Centennial because of their shooting and because they can put points on the board they're the team if they come out of that pool uh can give Sierra Canyon the best game yeah uh going back to your point about Corona Centennial yeah they did play modern day at home and lost in overtime and then they lost Meaning last year they lost to Harvard Westlake at home, and then they beat Rancho Christian in the in the in the third game. That's right on the road. Yeah, and okay. then their season came to an end against Harvard Westlake once again. Yeah, in 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 the they don't, they don't have good luck with two teams in their pool. The last correct 
year. last few years. It could just be matchups again. They're young. They rely on the three-pointer. In one of those games, their three-point shooting went really flat, Devin. I forget which one it was. We saw both games. Yeah, they just went, and that can happen. We've talked about that a bunch of times at all levels of basketball. Your three-point shooting can just go cold. No matter what you do, you're open, you're running your sets, and they just don't fall. So, like you said, you you know, at Awanda and and there, you you look at Harvard-Westlake, they're very skilled, skilled offensively, and – Harvard Westlake was able to take advantage of that, even though Edwana plays very good D because Edwana wasn't hitting their shots. Well, Sierra Canyon can get up and down faster than Harvard Westlake. For sure. You know, and, and so that's you look at that and you gotta think Sierra Canyon's still the favorite. They're obviously, as we we've done in the paint for a couple of years now, they 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 were the favorite last year. You know, they were down against Edwana. They beat them in a miraculous game, meaning you were watching. You know, they were down eleven points with like two fifty to go, two thirty to go, whatever it was. They won that game, so they're the SoCal champs. The Northern Regional playoffs, which there is none this year. That's a big point we wanted to emphasize. There's no Northern Regional playoffs. It's just Southern, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But that Northern final was never able to take place. So Sierra Canyon is in the kind of the de facto number one team. They're the defending SoCal champs for three straight years now, and then obviously two years ago they won their second straight state title. So for the second straight year, we're not going to have a state champion. And for the second straight year, we're not going to have a NorCal regional champ on the court. Like, you know, there'll be a number one team that right now that looks like Campolindo, which is having a great season. Uh, they're still undefeated, but Campolindo is not going to have any um, North Coast section playoffs. Jesuit, which is having a good season in the San Joaquin, is and Capital Christians having a pretty good season too. They're not going to be any San Joaquin section playoffs. Very interesting how the two regions are quite different. You know, the, in the Southern, you got kids that are playing double dipping, as you say, Devin, they're going to play in their travel team. They have been playing in travel events. Some kids have missed a few uh, high school games to play in their travel events. And then you also got a scenario where some kids were like, eh, do I want to play in this? Or do I want to report to college? Or do I just want to play with my travel team? So there's been a little, it ain't been, it's been great that there's been a season. I, I would say that. But some of it has been a little convoluted behind the scenes. You know, if you follow it closely, you know what we're talking about. Like, some kids are like, yeah, do I want to do this? And, and for the most part, the teams have been at full strength for the most part. Uh, not across the state, though. You got to follow it and be like, well, did this team play with their full allotment of players? There's been some guys missing. So glad that, that a lot of people have a season. But again, you know, the world has changed and a lot of things have changed in the last year. Uh, Devin, I'd be remiss to not mention that, like, you know, the, you went to the Fairfax-Westchester game. And obviously, that's probably the best rivalry in the state. Those are two of the best teams in the state, usually. And they're usually the two best teams in the city with Birmingham, Taft, and a few others always on their tail. Um, but we got less than half the city teams even fielding teams this year. And some of them that do are Devin, they're scoring six points, yeah. nine yeah. points. Yeah. I mean, that's it's not our normal thing. So, I mean, I want to make emphasize that. I mean, it, it's glad I'm glad that there's games. And you know, Westchester and Fairfax have played each about seven games so far, and then they have to jump into the playoffs next week. It's it, they're already, yeah. like they're not gonna play like Damien or Modern Day 26, seven games. And yeah, and you think about it. Uh, Fairfax and Westchester were practicing outside for a while 
Yeah. And really, were just able to get back into their own gym like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And now you got to jump into the playoffs. I mean, in and that- the regional. If they, you know, assuming one of them wins the open in the city, they're yeah. going to be in the regional. And it was clear from that game uh, that I saw on Saturday yeah. after the Heritage Christian Sierra Canyon game. Uh, they were rusty, man. There was a rusty game. It, it really- yeah, I wanted to ask you a question. Like, what yeah. was the talent level and what was the execution uh, level and what was the play level? Obviously, they're playing hard. We know that. But Those, those two coaches, uh, Red yeah. Jr. and Ed Azam, are going to have their guys playing hard and physical and tough. And it was competitive, right? It was a competitive yeah. Uh, T.J. Wainwright had 22 points for Westchester. The unsigned senior guard had a good performance. Um, you know, made a lot of a lot of big shots. And on the other side, uh, Fairfax is is pretty young. Their yeah. best player is probably D.J. Dudley, um, the uh, junior who was originally at San Ysidro. Um, Barry Wilds is a solid point guard. He's a senior. Yeah. He he kind of gets most of the looks uh, offensively and, and Reggie has, you know, three or four freshmen up on varsity who, who play. And, yeah. you know, Reggie, the one thing we know about Reggie Ronnie is no matter what, no matter what job he has, he's going to have young talent and he's going to develop the young talent. And yeah. that's kind of where Fairfax is right now. And it's tough, man. Six, six games, seven games. Um, it's tough to, to really get a feel for, you know, how good a team is. Uh, yeah. Barely had any practice time and they have a young team. So, um, but other Westchester standouts, um, Tim Lofton, a senior, kind of a undersized, you know, four man. Uh, he had 16 points, real physical uh, rebounder, tough defender, good player, probably a, a Juco level guy, but really, really good player. Um, and Zion Sutton, he struggled in the first half, but he had a good third and fourth quarters to help them pull out a victory. I believe he's headed to an HBCU uh, on yes. scholarship. So congratulations to him. Maybe South Carolina state, South Carolina. I think you're right. I think it's South Carolina yeah. state. Uh, congratulations to him on that. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was, it was ugly at times. It was good at times, um, sure. but it was kind of to be expected for a Westchester Fairfax rivalry game with only six games under their belt. Yeah. And, and like you said, limited practice time a Saturday afternoon and they got to play again this Friday on the 28th. They're going to play again right before the, before the uh, playoffs kick off for the city section, again, they're going to get eight or nine games under their belt. Um, glad they are. Uh, again, up north. Very interesting, Devin. You have a, a school, and I don't want to throw their name out there, but they can't play. It's a ranked team. They can't play after their school graduates, so they're going to be done this week. They can't play games. you, you got to think, for many of these schools, they're going to be playing for a couple weeks after they graduate, oh, meaning yeah. after their graduation class and ceremony kicks off. Yeah, the school's not allowing that. They're, they're saying hey, you guys are done because there's no playoffs. They're like, you guys are done the day of graduation. Like, we don't want you guys on campus. If you don't want to say, the, if you don't want to say the name here, text me. Text me the name. <laughs> I want to know what school this is. I, I want to know. I'm curious. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. So again, the Sac Joaquin, which is the second biggest section in the state behind the Southern section, has no playoffs. Um, the North Coast section, which is traditionally strong. With teams, you know, Bishop O'Dowd, those those teams, uh, Camp Alindo, they don't have any playoffs. Wow. Um, the one section that does have playoffs, and obviously they come from a strong league, it's, it's kind of like the Trinity League of the North, is the WCAL in the Central Coast section, which has Reardon, Midi, Bellarmine, St. Francis, St. Ignatius, very mm-hmm. good teams, always, always competitive. 
and they're in their WCL tournament as we speak now. Uh, we're shooting this on um, a Tuesday. Tuesday. So today will be the WCAL semifinals. And if all goes well, Mitty will meet Reardon in the final tomorrow. And then they jump into the CCS Open playoffs. And then they just end after the CCS Open playoffs. Okay. They're okay. not going to, they're not involved in no regional or anything. So, you know, that was to be a game I'd love to see. Uh, the North has been really hit hard, Devin. I wanted to go up north on May 15th to watch a doubleheader. It was going to be O'Dowd and Reardon. And then I was going to try to catch Campolindo and Capital Christian or Dublin and De La Salle. One of those two games because it's going to be a 2 o'clock and a 7 o'clock. So I was like, great, I'll watch, you know, four teams. And then there was COVID protocol for Dublin. It was I didn't know if the game was going on. Then O'Dowd got under COVID protocol. So it's just been a tough season for Northern California. They have no playoffs, and there's been some teams that have been hit by COVID or following COVID protocols for something that happened on their campus. And, and it's just been a tough season to to evaluate all those teams and, and watch as much as you want as we want to. Obviously, yeah. we're going to get to see the Southern Section Open teams as much as we want, you know. And we're going to see each of them a bunch of times. We've already seen them. Uh, so I guess the the thing for me, we kind of broke down those those um, pool play games and they they take place uh, the 28th, the 1st and the 4th, meaning the 1st and the 4th of June. What is your take on Tory Pines where they fit in all this? And when they get in the region, can Tory Pines beat all the Southern section open teams and pull this off and go undefeated? And I mean, just have a terrific season. Long pause. Right? Yeah, there's a long pause here, uh, yeah, fellas. Don't we? You didn't lose us. Keep listening. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. Straight up. Yeah, you're giving your answer, which is I just want to give that some perspective because, like we said, we they've beaten Corona Centennial, who's a two seed. Sierra Canyon right now in the Fab Fifty again. I'm still doing the Fab Fifty as we head toward June because of the team still playing. I'll give a little rundown. Uh, Sierra Canyon enters the open playoffs 12 and 0. They are number 10 in the country, right around where they'd be in a regular season, undefeated, if they were still undefeated. Torrey Pines is 24 and 0 and comes in at number 37. Corona Centennial, 18 and 1 with the loss of Torrey Pines, jumps in this week at 45. And again, Rabay Academy is right there. I mean, they would be logically the next team in if there was a, a, a fourth team in. You right. know, uh, obviously, I don't think this is the strongest group of California teams from a national perspective. No. And some of it's not their fault. They just haven't had a chance to play teams from other states. They're just playing each other. It's, you know, so. Um, but again, Torrey Pines has a chance to do something special. But as we know, they have to win the Open in the San Diego versus Cathedral uh, Catholic and or uh, undefeated San Marcos. Right. <laughs> I was going to say St. Augustine. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Augustine would probably be the fourth seed, but San Marcos deserves the, the two or three seed, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, they have a great you know. card in, in Devon Arlington. Yeah, uh -huh. they're having a great season. But again, you know, you'd figure four Southern Section teams are going to the to the SoCal Open, the San Diego champions going to the Open, the LA City champ, which would be Westchester and or Fairfax, probably going to the Open. So that's six teams right there. And then... 
what what do you you know how does Tory Pines pull that off? Can they win on the road? Can they win at Sierra Canyon? Or will they be the home? If if it's not Sierra Canyon, Devin, they're going to be at home. If they're playing Harvard Westlake or Westchester, they're going to be at home. And I'll be driving down. I'll be driving down that 405 to the five freeway to check that game out. Um, and you know, I'm a big fan of what Tory Pines does down there. They have a great program. Yeah, uh, they run great stuff, and they're well coached. So please. Don't take my my no answer earlier as a, like a slight. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the best program in in San Diego by far and away. Um, I just have PTSD yeah. from that that two fifteen yeah. aft Tory Pines, Pines game. regional yeah. game a couple a few years back with uh, when Kihei Clark was a senior. Yeah, Taft went down there as the fifteen seed, and if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Ronnie beat them pretty pretty handily. Handily, and I that too i think we even mentioned that and and i might have mentioned that in my cal high rankings and says hey I, I, this is not an upset the taft's probably gonna win so yeah the, the besides the one game where um tayshawn cherry went off and they beat the marvin bagley yeah the canyon team the san diego teams haven't really done good in the open meaning the socal regional open was- i'm not even sure if they want another game right that was uh, when when Tayshon was at Saint Augustine, correct? Right, his junior year. Yeah, correct. And then he moved on, but and Marvin Bagley eventually moved on too. He didn't come back the next year either. So, but that was a pretty good Sierra Canyon team. Obviously, as we know, that was a good year for for Southern Section teams with Modern Day and and Chino Hills and Bishop Montgomery, the eventual champion. So, I'm again, checking. Double checking my facts here, Ronnie, for for that Tory Pines Corona Centennial game earlier this season. That Tory Pines won. Not taking yeah. anything away from Tory Pines, who won. Donovan Dent, the talented junior guard. Yeah. He didn't play most of the second half due to a concussion he suffered. Interesting. And in early in the early in the third quarter. Uh, Interesting. I'm just throwing that out there for you. Just knowledge. Yeah, because I didn't know that tidbit. I, I knew the game. I followed the game. I know Torrey Pines is good. This is one of their best teams. They play terrific defense. Uh, Howell's a good player. Yeah, Otto Landrum. Good player. Otto Landrum. Player. Yep. You know, they have a really good team. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about this year and the, the, the season and all this. I think, I think outside, of, outside of Sierra Canyon, which I'm going to put up on a pedestal based on what I've seen, uh, I think anyone's beatable outside of Sierra Canyon. Correct. Sierra Canyon's beatable when, if a team has a really, really complete game. Yeah. But, and that game's going to have to be on the road for Torrey Pines, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes a big difference. You know what I mean? Unless Sierra Canyon somehow drops one yeah. and will play, it's going to be on the road. Sierra Canyon's going to be the, the top overall seed, um, no matter what. Sure. Unless, no unless what Tory Pines does. Unless they drop one to Bosco. Unless yeah. like they drop one to Bosco and they don't make the CIF uh, final. Well, that's going to be interesting. If Sierra Canyon loses a pool play game and doesn't win their pool. Now, remember, they can still win their pool if they lose a game. They just can't lose to Bosco because of the 1-8. Yeah. yeah. They can't lose to Bosco. Right. They won't win their pool. So if, if they don't win their pool, then they get in the SoCal Regional that throws another team for a loop, whether it's Westchester or Torrey Pines, because then they're going to face potentially face that team in the first round. <laughs> Meaning travel, Sierra Canyon is traveling to them you so, know what I mean? because they're, they're a lower seed. They're saying the San Diego Open 
champion and the city open champion are cheering for Sierra Canyon to win so that they don't have to play him in the first round. Is that what we're saying? In the first round or the second, even, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. They want to meet him in the regional final, which is the right. de facto final game of the season it's on June 18th or 19th, which another interesting point that we haven't talked, brought up is section seven. Again, this is almost summer ball. Then we're, we're at Memorial weekend where we're getting toward a live period for the first time in what? 15 months. What? 14, 15 months is, most of these teams we've talked to, and I confirmed it with them, they're going to go to Section 7, which is June 18th or 20th, which is the weekend of the regional final, which is the last game of the season, which is the 18th or 19th. And obviously the 20th is, I believe, that Sunday. Uh, these teams are going to play in that, Devin. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to skip it. So what happens if two Section 7 participants are in the regional final? They're like, we're heading towards Phoenix. We want to play in front of college coaches. Our kids deserve it. Our program deserves it. That's a very, uh, that's a dicey situation. I mean, we haven't reached that point yet, but we might reach that point. I have a thought. One of the JV teams just play for the Southern Section title. <laughs> just split off the teams and say, we'll meet the rest, rest of you guys over there. You know what I mean? What? Yeah. What? Or like you mentioned before we jumped on the podcast, say, screw it. If teams are going to seven section seven, yeah. play like a little exhibition, quote unquote championship. Out of bracket game. Of, yeah, it's at, at section seven. Seven in front of coaches. I guess you'd have to forfeit the southern section game. <laughs> yeah, but all of us would still would consider, all of us would still consider that winner the SoCal champ if yeah, they did that would, that would be wild. That would be a wild situation. I want that to happen. Well, not, yeah, because not, not to piss on like CIF or anything like no, that. No, just because the kids want to play in front of coaches. It'd be and it'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 wild. Because I know one team that we know who has a has a good shot of making you know one of their their section title game in uh, or the regional title game in in their division is Colony, and yeah. Colony's for sure committed to Section Seven. Uh, we know Cron Centennial Ronnie is He's committed. Going. Both sessions of Section Seven, so it yeah. it could get interesting real quick, real quick. And you can't fault Section Seven. You can't fault the CIF. I guess you know they 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 kind of run what they want, and but so it kind of puts a bind on these on these kids. They've had to make a lot of tough decisions. Do I play with my high school team? Do I sit out? Do I you know play both? Do I play too many games? I mean, Damien and Modern Day played a lot of games this year. You know, in a short period of time. Do I want to do that? You know, it's a lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of questions that, a lot of tough decisions, and I'm glad we've gotten through it, with you know pretty much not that much uh, cancellations, uh, not a lot of bad injuries, you know, things like well, that, or one one bad injury as well. Yeah, just yeah, correct. correct. MCL, unfortunately, yeah. good players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ronnie, you know, the whole the whole thing behind you know getting back and, and playing was to let them play. Uh, what do you want to call it a movement or let them play California, whatever that was. Um, we're letting them play in three they're playing. weekend. They're playing. They are playing. They're playing all they're playing, buddy. They're playing a lot. They are playing. You know who else is playing Ronnie and playing for some money? The Bully twins, Matt and Ryan Bully out of West Oaks Academy in Florida. They, you know, recently signed the first signees of the overtime elite league. It looks like Ronnie, they're both going to get, 500k a year two-year contract 
Uh, Matt is the number three ranked player in 223, according to 24-7 Sports. And Ryan Bully is the 20th ranked player in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. What is your quick initial take on that amount of money being thrown out for the very first prospects this league is signing? Yeah, I think my first initial reaction is um, you are now in, I guess, competition is the word with, you know, the high school ranks. They don't want to lose their players, right? And the travel team ranks, if, if that makes any sense necessarily. Then you got the G League Ignite team who's signing a high school underclassman in Scoot Henderson from Kell High School in Marietta. And we'll talk about that a bit. And then you got a thing where you sign Ryan and Matt Booley, who played at West Oaks. Very, you know, good talents, not generational talents. Obviously, um, I've watched them a few times. They came out to Turkania, and I've watched them with their travel team. Matt's the better prospect. And it's pretty, you know, pretty clean cut that he's the better prospect. But you're paying both of them, maybe because to get both of them, you two for one. You're getting a two for one. one of them. You got to take the other, Ronnie. <laughs> You're getting a two for one. Kind of a, a twins thing has always been like that. You know, the Collins twins and a couple other twins down the line. The Thompson twins from this 222 class are really good players. But so when you when you think about that, what I'm thinking is the two things that first come to mind is that's just two players. How do you make up a team and how do you make up a league? How do you make up a league, Devin? You need uh four teams at least again it goes back to the nibc which we've talked about a lot the 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 montverde sunrise oak hill it gets to the point where they beating up each other a lot they need more teams well this this is not even close to that meaning an amount of teams you don't even have one team you got two players so every so then the dipshits that we know online they say well Great, they can just one team, meaning if they get 12 players or nine players, can join the, the G League. Uh, why would the G League invite them if they're in competition with each other for players? They're not going to. That's the answer. They're not going to. That's an NBA type of entity. So we got these, these knuckleheads on. Oh, well, they, they can just join another league. What league wants them? What league do they fit in? What league is there other than the G yeah. <laughs> What other league is there for them to fit in? They're going to go overseas. They're going to go work, play uh, just exhibition games. So there's still lots of things to be unanswered. But now that the G League has taken Scoot Henderson and is, you would assume, actively pursuing other elite players, why would they give the overtime league any, any, any burner action? They're going to try to cut them out. Why? Well, I mean, they're in competition. Right. You know, so that's my initial reaction is where okay. do they play and where do they go? You got two players. Now, you don't got, again, if, if we've talked about the top players a bunch, you know, uh, you know, we talk about them on this podcast and, and obviously with our on the rise, the elite players. You didn't sign Imani Bates, Jalen Duran, and DJ Wagner right here all at once and say, hey, they're joining this league. You sign two guys that maybe the average fan knows a little bit about. Bit. That's uh, what I was gonna say. We talked to we talked to our guy Audit Kasoyan, who runs all of the the video stuff and, and guys across the country who they film and and you know what gets posted on our YouTube channel. And we're like, is do these guys have that? Uh, I guess yeah. that following. 
right? That yeah. posts a video and it's a million views off of that. And the answer right. is no, they don't have that kind of following. Um, as a, you know, DJ Wagner or Mikey Williams, or yeah. you mentioned in 222, Imani Bates, Jalen Durant, yeah. Yeah. those high level quality names, even, even a Dior Johnson, who's not even playing high school basketball this year, he's playing with Vegas elite, um, will get lots of views on videos. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Matt and Ryan Bully aren't good players. They are, they're very good prospects, but they're yeah. very good prospects. And, yeah. but that's 500 K a pop for two year, a two year deal on your first signings. Now you, you're setting a precedent. Correct. This level player gets 500 K. So what is, you know, the top the generational level? player get like what does Imani Bates get Imani Bates gets four or five, six times that. Do you have them? I would, I wouldn't, if I was my Bates, I wouldn't, Again, I'm just speaking now. Uh, if I was him, I, I wouldn't play for anything less than three, four times that. Right. So you're you're setting yourself up for having to shell out a whole lot of money to get for what product players, unless unless and you're for what product are you getting? Yeah, unless you're targeting two twenty four guys. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, we're still not you know to the point that we know which two twenty fours are elite level yet, right? Or our box office type guys. Um, no, we know who the good players are, but we don't know where that where they're headed. You're right, you know. Right. So unless you're targeting two twenty three guys and you're targeting you know two twenty four guys, uh, which is a couple years down the line, and probably what that league needed to do was not really go for it now and try to start the league, but try to build like a rapport with the younger players and be able to get people on board and then start your league to have multiple teams already ready to go. Well, here's the thing about that, Devin. If I'm the NBA Players Association camp, I'm uh, the Hoop Group, I'm Phenom Rick Lewis, I'm uh, Pangos Dinos Trigonis, or I'm Ryan Silver, West Coast Elite, and, and, and the rest of these event operators and people who run events, like you said, they have to get acclimated with mm-hmm. players. How do you know how much Bully's worth? How much do you know how much Jalen Duran's worth? No. you got to go watch them, right? Evaluate them. You still don't. And after that, yeah, still- you still maybe don't know. But why would I allow those guys to come to my event so they can weaken my product? You mean In other words, cover- if I'm coverage wise, correct. Why? If I'm if I'm the Pangos camp, I want Scoot Henderson at my camp. So why would I allow you to come evaluate him and judge his value and then poach him from his high school and or club team and then weaken my events? That's a very interesting dynamic there, like you said, because you have to procure the talent. You have to go evaluate it. It's not like they're evaluating them in their setting only, meaning they have an event, they invite the players, and then they said, hey, come to our event. We're going to you know, evaluate you. You join a team or something like that. It's You're using the high school realm, and you're using camps. The, the camps and the grassroots realm to create your – I guess your IP to which ones we're going to offer. That's the problem that people are probably going to have with that. Uh, yeah. That's a good point that, that a lot of people aren't thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the fact that they're kind of in a spot where they're going to be burning bridges. Correct. With direct, like, you know, the directors or, you know, guys like, like that who they need on their side to get players they're in a little catch 22 here because the guys they That's need a big caveat. Yeah. The guys and, and, and 
people they need on their side who are going to push kids to certain ways, whether it's college or whether it's a pro route or whatever it may be, or staying in high school, whatever, um, are the same guys who, whose pocketbooks are likely going to be hurting unless they're breaking off even more cash to those guys too. I mean, man, it's, it's a wild, wild situation that we're seeing now in high yeah, school. We're barely getting the gist of it. Like we're barely getting, it's barely happening. So we don't have all this inside of what we think the league's going to look like. We don't know. We, well, Cause they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. They got two players. They got two players. So what is that? Where do we go? Where you have a league with two players and here's the thing, man, if I'm Matt and Ryan Bully, like you put me in their shoes as a high school kid and, and you come to me and say, Hey, we're going to pay you a million bucks for two years and you're going to play in this quote unquote league. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, I'm strongly considering that. Correct. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm because you can still train and you can still uh, get better and uh, and there's, there's any venue just as long as you play high level basketball and now you're a pro so you can go play with overseas guys while other guys are playing high school sanctioned games you can go play hey i'm gonna go run with these guys who are back from overseas this summer i'm gonna stick with them now you have a little money to have a trainer you know again that could be a good or bad thing but <laughs> you can still develop you know what i mean yeah. so the development part is still there for those guys. I just, you know, when I watched those guys play Devin for West Oaks and I watched them play uh, last year's or freshman for high school, I don't see, I don't look at it and say, wow, I'm going to, I want to, if I had the money, I want to give those guys 500K a year. Okay. I just don't. You know, it was just, I'm not sure that many high school players are, are of that demand. Um, I think as a, I think as a group, they have a lot of uh, a lot of branding. A lot of uh, they do have a lot of value, and that's been a big thing lately. Obviously, as these uh, name, image, and likeness laws pass around the country, we've talked about them many times. Obviously, the, the this great awakening of people's rights, uh, you know, uh, young kids' rights. Obviously, we're doing this on a year anniversary of George Floyd's death. That kind of woke a lot of people up just to a lot of different topics, not necessarily his death, but just people's rights, people's freedoms, that kind of thing. And um, just because you have this value, I I'm not really sure how do we gauge. There's no market for it. So how do we gauge how much value some of these guys have? There's no more. Like in other words, why is a Big Mac three ninety nine and not twenty nine ninety nine? Because there's a mark. There's there's studies to do what people will buy it for. The product, the goods. Twenty nine ninety nine for a Big Mac. I hope. I hope. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you have standards for a car is about twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Right. You know, uh, groceries are eighty bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever it is. We're just kind of throwing numbers out here, in my opinion, right now. We're just throwing numbers out, and it's where did we come up with this? That's a great question. And that's going to, that's going to play into whether, you know, the G league ignite or the overtime league or any other professional league has any long longevity to it. will have any long-term success. And I mean, based on what you said about just throwing numbers out and uh, um, you know, not really having any sort of, of value like meter. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm going to put this in and this is the return I'm going to get on this investment. Correct. There's this is just, this is all, you know, conjecture. It's like a uh, LeVar Ball's league. Well, yeah. what, league, what was that league called? JBA. JB. Yeah. JBA. It's kind of like that. Just like a trial run. 
with, with, you know, more higher name investors. Cause there's some NBA guys behind overtime. Sure. There's more money behind it. Yeah. And the structure of the league, you know, um, they have some former NBA players as, as advisors and mentors. So that's, that's a good start. And the G league obviously is NBA operated and has, you know, former NBA players, uh, on the ignite team, um, with the young players to kind of mentor them. So there's some structure there, I guess. Uh, I just think, um, you know, as you mentioned, Ronnie, there's no real uh, barometer for what these guys are worth. And I guess we're going to figure that out within the next couple of years. Yeah. As time goes on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you would think in high school who has value. The guys who get views and clicks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like Mikey Williams, as we've talked, he has some value, obviously, because people watch his videos. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best prospect because he has the most views. We're just saying that he has value in, in that. So, you know, um, and that can change. His value can change. It could grow greater or it could become stagnant. Uh, That's going to decide by, you know, as, as people get older, they get more used to you. I would think even a guy like Zion Williamson, people see him every night now, Devin, in, in, in the NBA. His team is okay. You know, they, they're not bad. Does he have the same wow every night that he did at Duke. I'm not really sure. I don't see it. I think people are used to it. They see, used to seeing it now. And it's like, so your value changes all the time, I think. It's kind of like a, a Mikey Williams at 15 years old is not going to have the same perception of Mikey Williams at 20 years old. Right. It's not. That's just, we know that from, because you said we have things to study it in the past. Hey, how many, how many um, internet security things you think Otic runs on his computer to make sure that no one's hacking into his uh, his master list of of views and video views and who's the top viewed player because if they had access to that I mean they'd probably have have something something to talk about with you know offering players you know money right I mean Otic's yeah Otic, Otic knows man he does yeah it's very interesting and again the bullies twins are uh, athletic they, you know, a little back to the basket, they can run the floor. But like you said, like Otic could say, people, do they want, are they going to hold people's attention, a large audience? I, I, it just doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to, they're not, it, the, you can't fool the public. In other words, you can't fool the consumer who are these kids, you yep. know, these young kids. They yep. know what they want to see and what hits. Right. They know who's a badass and what they want to watch. Right. Whether it's, you know, a guy raining three-pointers from 40 feet or, you know, Jalen Duran, you know, inside. And, again, big guys don't draw that much, but he's a great player. And, and they don't want to see whether some guy can can outscore or, um, you know, if somebody has somebody for Imani Bates because they know Imani Bates is like this number one prospect guy. Can can some guy catch him or, like, outplay him in a game? They want to see that, you know. So I'm, I'm going to get, before we sign off for this, this episode, I'm going to give one piece of advice to overtime elite, go sign Hansel Emmanuel, the one arm dude, who's just yeah. killing people on the club circuit, go sign him. I'm sure you'll that's get what people want to see. That's what they want to see. Go If you, if you're trying to get, get views and you're trying to get people excited about your league, go sign that dude, because he's awesome. But Ronnie, that's going to do it for episode number 98 of the in the paint show presented by ball life. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, Ron M. Flores, at Ron M. Flores. Follow me on Twitter, at Devin underscore Oogland. 
and hit us up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Type in the In the Paint Show or the Falls Life Podcast Network and click like and subscribe. But until the next episode of the In the Paint Show, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.